0: We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. Merry Christmas. The Christmas story, the birth of the babe in a stable to parents far from home with nowhere to bed down, focuses our hearts on mothers. This morning, we're listening back to two interviews from 2023 a famous interviewer juggling mother duties with journalistic obligations, and a newspaper columnist who knows what it means to be a single mother. First, Mary Louise Kelly of NPR. The poise and self possession she exudes as a co host of all things considered is not always how she feels inside. Kelly published a very personal tale last spring, a chronicle of her struggle to find time for family and friends, as her globe trotting career grasps for every minute. Her latest book is It Goes So Fast, The Year of No Do Overs. No Do Overs because as her oldest son prepared for college after years of missed soccer practices and birthdays, Kelly realized there won't always be a next time. It Goes So Fast is Kelly's first nonfiction book after two novels of thrilling espionage and intrigue. When we spoke in April, I asked Kelly when she knew she needed to write this book. I had
1: been, you know, my Oh my gosh, for the last two decades, ever since I became a mom, wrestling with trying to be trying to be as good at that as I could, trying to be a good mom um, while trying to be good at my job, which I love and care deeply about. And um, some days that worked out just beautifully. And other days I felt like I was dropping every ball it was possible to drop. And if I had to point to a specific moment, I remember... I've written a couple of novels before and um i have a literary agent who's helped me sell them and part of her job is then to follow up every couple months and get on the phone and nag me like where's the next one do you have any chapters written so she had called me in the summer um a couple years ago now and said do you have any chapters where is it and i said victoria i my day job is all consuming i have no time I have no time on the weekends because I'm a soccer mom on the weekends, which, if anything, makes my day job look not stressful in comparison. (laughs) And I said, this year of all years, I really don't have any time to write a book. And she said, why? What's this year of all years? What does that even mean? And I said, my oldest is about to be a senior in high school. And Because of my work, I've missed so much over the years. There were so many things I didn't show up for. And I kept thinking, you know, next year, I'm going to figure this out. Next year, I'm going to get this right. I'll make a different choice. And I'm out of next year's. I have no more do-overs. This is the year of no do-overs. And there was a long pause. And she said, that's the book. She says, I don't even have kids, but I want to read about that struggle. And I thought, I don't have any answers to it but I'm willing to sit and try to wrestle this one to the ground. And so that's what I did. And I wrote that year in real time as it unfolded as a way of being intentional about all the deals that I've cut with myself over the years um, and all the deals and
0: trade-offs I was making as that year itself unfolded last year. And I get as a daily journalist, you're used to wrestling with issues on deadline mm-hmm. as, as they unfold. But why take time to write that book that year?
1: I think cuz it was it was the year. It was the last year that this boy who is super independent and wouldn't even look at any colleges within a two state radius of us. He was so eager to get out there and spread his wings in the world. I I knew he was not going to be the kid who, you know, moved back home anytime soon. And so this was this was the last year that I had to think about those choices. And I I was super aware I, I I'm very good at beating myself up for for not getting things right as I go. Um but on the really big stuff, you know, the key birthdays, the like critical camp drop off, like i I did make those things. I did show up for my kids. um. The calls that come in from the emergency room, like I have pushed my chair back in the middle of a live broadcast of all things considered and said, I got to go because my son, I think he's fractured his jaw and he's in the ER. I got to stay. He needs his mom. I'm going. Those calls, they don't feel like it in the moment, but they're the the easy ones. The ones that have... It's haunting me the right word. I guess the ones that have come back to haunt me are all the the ones that are less black and white, that are more gray. Uh, it's not like there's a crisis. It's not an emergency. Your kid's not in the ER, but they have a soccer game. And it's at the exact same time as I have a critical work interview. And so I miss it. And and I miss the next one and the next one. And it's those gray ones, all those moments that didn't seem like the end of the world or super critical in the moment. Um, but those are the moments that make up your life and the choices that we're making day by day. You know, you're building our, your character and the character of your kids and um, figuring out what that life is going to look like and how you choose to spend your days. And I, uh, I felt like it was important to reckon with those choices in real time in that year.
0: That's NPR's Mary Louise Kelly. On the record on WYPR. I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about her latest book, It Goes So Fast, The Year of No Do-Overs. You write about covering the 2021 murder of Dante Wright by a police officer in Minnesota, and you recall being struck by the fact that Wright was only a couple years older than your son. How does being a mother change how you approach each story? Oh, my gosh. In every
1: possible way. It, you know, with, with Dante Wright, I was looking at the pictures of him and thinking, neither he nor my son are old enough to buy a beer. And One of the days when I was doing an interview about him was a day that my son had just gotten wonderful news. He'd gotten into the college he wanted to go to. We were celebrating. And then I had to turn and do this interview about another kid whose life you know, was over. Not only wasn't going in the direction of exciting new adventures, it was done. And I thought about his mom and what it must've been like to get that call. Um, How you would ever carry on after that, and how unfair life can be, and how we fail to show up for and serve our children in so many ways as a country, as a society, particularly our children of color. It, it, there's no way I can do a journalist's interview just as a journalist about a story like that and not feel as a mother you know, the human beings behind those headlines. And my heart just went out to his mom thinking, I'm so sorry. And um, I think that's an important part of our work. You you show up as your full person and think about the people behind those headlines you're reporting. And um, I, before I was a mom, would have come to a story like that and felt sorry for the family, but I'm not sure it would have connected in the way that it does now. And um, I hope that that connection comes through because that is the point of those stories and bearing witness to them and making people understand who are listening, who I hope will never be in a situation like Dante Wright's mom was, um, but why it matters
0: and what's at stake for her. There's a scene late in the book that just gripped me five minutes or so where you go into detail about exactly what you had to think through to 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 press to suppress your mic during a live presidential press conference at a very important moment <laughs> so you could take a call from your son and i i thought i don't even i mean i don't even take my phone in the studio when i'm live because i'm afraid of a distraction and i thought for you to manage that you're quite a mom thank you yeah, I wanted I was doing live coverage of a of
1: President Biden at the White House the day that Russia invaded Ukraine, which was also the day that my oldest son was diagnosed with COVID and was ringing my phone off the hook from the school nurse, nurse's office cuz he was worried and scared. And um you know, that's what we do. Uh, we multitask, we figure it out, you try to, you know, I, I remember hitting the cough button, um, which as you will know is the button we can hit so that, you know, if you have to clear your nose in the studio, we're not subjecting all of America to it. Um, and taking this call from my son, and I, as a metaphor, I suppose that's kind of what I've been trying to do all these years. You show up for your job, you do your best, but when your kid calls you and you're scared, you take the call. And, um, that's that's been part of my journey is figuring out how you uh, how you show up in both those places at once, and I haven't figured it all out by a long stretch, <laughs> by many a mile. Um, but I do take some comfort from getting to talk about it a little bit and pull back the curtain a little bit. That um, it may look like or sound like I have my act together on most days, but know that my phone is ringing off the hook. <laughs> with with a kid who needs my help and you're just trying to figure out somehow, one way or the other, this is all going to get done today.
0: Mary Louise, thanks for this conversation and congratulations on this book. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure joining you to talk about it. Thanks, Sheila. Mary Louise Kelly is a co-host of NPR's All Things Considered. We spoke to her last April about her latest book, A Memoir, It goes so fast, the year of no do-overs. Short break on The Record. When we're back, a local writer starts a conversation on single motherhood. I'm Sheila Kast. Stay with us. We're on The Record. I'm Sheila Cast. Good morning. On this Christmas morning, we're listening back to interviews with mothers about being a mother. It's not easy being a parent, and that's likely twice as true for single parents. The U.S. has the world's highest ratio of children living in single-parent households. A 2019 Pew Research study found almost one in four U.S. children is living in a household with one parent and no other adult. That rate is higher in the city of Baltimore, where U.S. Census Bureau data over the past decade shows more than half of households were single-parent families. A majority are run by single mothers. But the numbers tell us only so much. Leslie Grace Streeter is a columnist at our news partner, The Baltimore Banner. Her latest work includes a new series about the trials and triumphs of single motherhood. Streeter joined us in November, and I asked her for a definition. What does the term "single mother" mean to her?
2: It's so funny because, well, a- apart from the the stigma and the stereotype of what single mothers are, um, which may depend on on race or class or income or ge- geography or anything, um. Like I said, it was hard to try to figure out exactly what it meant. Does it mean just a single parent or a single mother in the home herself? Does it mean someone who is single by marital standards, but perhaps as a partner? Does it mean someone who was divorced or has a living uh, and contributing or not partner who is also the, par- the other parent of the child? Um, does it mean that she doesn't have any adult in the home, whether or not they're romantically related, like my mother was my co-parent. And so, so many people have different, not only technical definitions, but stigma and stereotypes, like I said, about what that means. That it just, to me, that's part of the problem, is that when we say these things about what's to be done about single motherhood and single parenthood, we don't even know exactly what we're talking about.
0: Right. And of course you are living it, but do you have a working definition for your series?
2: My... It's so funny. My working definition is a an unmarried woman who is raising a child without benefit of a person another person who is that other child's parent the child's other parent in the home. There are people that I spoke to who said that they believe that true single parents are people who have no help whatsoever. Then again, there are organizations who say that single parents are people who could be in a relationship with someone else who is not their child's parent cohabitating or just not married. Um, To me, it's all of those things. Because like I said, I want people to understand that there's no one way of looking at that.
0: And of course, as as you say, stigma stigma comes from the beholder, not the particular situation a mother is in. You write about wanting to dispel the stereotypes of single motherhood. What do people misunderstand about single mothers?
2: I think that the thing that they most put, there has been such a an emphasis on the status of being a single mother that is often not unattached from morality or traditional marriage roles or from sexuality. And the, if you say problems with kids who are married, who were raised in single parent homes, all of the, the onus of the responsibility is on the mother. And she's the one who stayed most likely, because as you said, most single parent homes are run by women. And so, and maybe it's the mother, maybe it's the grandmother, maybe it's an aunt, but it is mostly a woman. And that society has tended to put the onus of whatever you think of them, the strength or the shame, one or the other, on that woman and not the person who is not there is part of the problem that we have, that women just in society bear so much of what, Children become, whether even in married situations, that everything is put on the put on the mother. So if there is only a mother, it's it's twofold.
0: Tell me some of your personal experiences with those assumptions that you write about.
2: You know, I think a lot of it, and like you said, it's both other people's perception and then my perception of that perception. I, I write about in my first column about how when someone referred to me as a single mother, I initially had a very strong reaction to that because, not because I didn't think that single mothers were good, but that I understood that society at large did not. So I have been places with my son, particularly when he was younger, say on a plane, and I'd see people rolling their eyes or people saying, so where's your husband? And I would say, he's dead, because it wasn't their business and, you know, forget those people. But yeah, that happened a couple of times. But just the assumption, particularly as an African-American woman, that goes to, once again, morality, it goes to uh, status, it goes to economics, it goes to people just assume things about you. I am on X, the site, formerly known as Twitter, entirely too much. Mm -hmm. And people will say, oh, you single mothers, you should just lock it down. It's like, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's very hard as a single mother to not only find someone to date who wants to be with you and your child, but wanting to put another crazy person you don't know in your child's life. I mean, no, thank you. I'm good.
0: So you're juggling the duties of a parent with the grief of a widow. How do you balance giving so much of your time to your son (laughs) while also finding time for yourself?
2: You know, I think a lot of it, I became a mother when I was in my early forties. And I think that I have many friends who are my age, I'm 52, whose kids are 25, you know, Mm -hmm. one of whom just one of my friends, uh, kids just got engaged, you know, she's probably going to be a grandma soon. So I'm at a very different place than a lot of people my age in terms of parenting. Although that increasingly, that's not becoming, it's not as rare to have mothers who are my age who have young kids in elementary school. But I think that I'm a better mother, I think, for being older because I already, first of all, financially was established. Career wise, I was established. I had an established group of people, even though I didn't know I would need them in the way that I did. My mom, my sister, my son literally has like four godmothers. And I was established in a community in a way that. Uh, There's a a huge problem uh, worldwide with widows, for instance, that in most many cultures, your wealth is attached to your husband's. And when your husband dies, you don't have, even in this country in some religions or whatever, you don't have your own credit, any job history. You don't have a 401k. You don't have your own bank account, even know how to find access to that bank account. And I, as terrible as it was to be widowed, i was in a good place where i had my own stuff and because you know he's in school right now so i have sometimes had a lunch date i could take a <laughs> date but it's, it's at 11 because my kids in school and i don't have to get a babysitter um and it, it's a huge juggle but because so much of as people i've interviewed have said the the financial piece for so many single mothers and a lot of single mothers are of a lower income it's doubly hard. and But all of it is true of the, the loneliness and the lack of an adult to bounce things off of or someone to play good cop, bad cop with or someone to just go, I cannot get out of bed to save my life. Can you please clothe that child and take him to school?
0: Is that what you mean when you, you write that your concerns are m- about more than money and schedules? Your biggest struggles, you write, have been the what ifs, that come with your life changing so quickly? I'm not sure I get what the what ifs are.
2: For instance, if I were my husband, Scott, he and I met at Baltimore City College, uh, City Forever. Um, We didn't get together for years later, but he went to St. Mary's College with my sister. What if he was still alive? Would we have moved back to Baltimore? Would we, how would I be raising my child? What, who would my child be if he had an active father in the house? Who would I be if I had an active husband in the house? Would the division of, what would the division of labor be? I mean, he died, but my son was not even quite two. So the majority of my life as a parent has been as a single parent. And so when you think these things are different, are they good? Or are they better? I wish he was here, right? But mm-hmm. that's not a possibility. So you have to go from the other side, which is what can be possible. But then sometimes you beat yourself up in the middle of the night, um, but I always think about that. Like, what would life be like if things were different?
0: This is On The Record. I'm Sheila Cass, speaking with Leslie Gray Streeter, a columnist for the Baltimore Banner. She's writing a new series of columns about single motherhood. What surprised you about being a single
2: parent? Oh, you know, so much of it, once again, when you look at what single parenthood is, and people think, oh, that means that you're poor, it means that, you know, you you need to be on assistance or you need to do this or that. To me, it was more literally the lack of another person whose contractual obligation it was to help you. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, that like my mother, once again, amazing co-parent, but at the end of the day, he was not her son. So when she would come up to Maryland, we were in Florida to visit her now husband or to visit my grandmother who died at 96 earlier this spring he was my kid. You know, I couldn't go, well, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go someplace too. can't do that. (laughs) He's your kid. It's the thing. And I love him. He's the most important thing in my life, but it was the, the buck stops with me that I was the one who decided if we would move and where we would live and what sports he would play. And if he's going to do travel soccer, because I'm the only person to do it. I'm the only cop, good cop, bad cop, it's just cop.
0: When you talk to other single mothers, what do you hear from them? I mean, are, are are there common concerns that tend to bubble up?
2: There are. And it's the understanding that not that there's, I don't know if blame is the right word, but like I said, people, you see people who do crazy things in on the news and they'll go, where were the parents? And so I think there's a lot of, and I have a lot of friends who are single parents for many reasons. And the number one thing is, Worrying that you're going to not just going to mess your child up because he only he or she only has one parent, but because y- it's you are <laughs> the only parent, and if you screw up, there's no one to buffer your screw up, and there's no one you know. For those of us, I have many friends who are raising boys who are women, and even though he has a lot of uncles and godfathers and people who are in his life who love him, there is not a male. I I'm a girl, and I didn't have any brothers. And that's not like a thing that I know intimately about what it's like to grow up as a boy. And we worry about, are we doing the right thing? You know, are we, are we telling the right thing? Are we exposing them enough to people who can guide them through things that we have not gone through?
0: What do you hope readers are gonna learn from these columns about single motherhood?
2: It's been funny because sometimes when you write these things, you're, you think you're writing them for people who don't understand. And then I realized from the amount of mail that I've gotten from the first column, my audience has been single mothers and men and women raised by single mothers. Because those are the people who said, no one under the mothers themselves, no one understands how hard this is. And thank you for talking about how hard it is. And no one understands the pressure that's on you to raise an entire human being by yourself. No one talks about that. And for so many people who, men and women, like I said, who have said, I was raised by a single mother and I give her all the credit and I give her all of the praise and no one understood what her life was like and no one understood what it was like to be raised by someone who gave you their all because they were the only person to give it to you. You know, I don't want like I'm not doing this. So one day my son will go on, you know, a talk show or talk to you, Sheila, and write a book about how awesome I was, <laughs> and, you know, and how brave and awesome. Eh, it's not about that. And I also don't want him to write Mommy Dearest either. So let's keep him off the memoirs. I just want to have a person who underst- who has a good life and who, who I gave a good foundation and who understands why it was hard sometimes.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to the series, Leslie, and I'm not even a mother, so good luck with it.
2: Oh my gosh, thank you, Sheila. Thanks for having me.
0: Leslie Streeter, a columnist with WIPR's news partner, The Baltimore Banner, spoke to us in November about her new series of columns about the experience of single mothers. You can find a link to her latest work at the On The Record page at WIPR.org. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Hope your Christmas is merry and you're enjoying the holiday. Join us again tomorrow.